Well, hey, Everlast. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. <laughs> Uh, but I am excited to uh, be back with you tonight uh, as we continue in our Mystery Box series. Uh, for those uh, who don't know me, my name is Tina. I am Kevin's wife and am also the Young Adults Coordinator here at Everlast. And so uh, let me just say we are so glad that you have joined us tonight if this is your uh, first time here. Uh, and so as I mentioned, we are in a series called Mystery Box. And I don't think we've ever actually uh, established or told you guys what Mystery Box is. So y'all know the series, but literally it's you coming in and being like, what are we going to get tonight? It's a mystery. So that's a series, Mystery Box, even though we're like almost done. But just thought you needed to know. Um, If you will turn with me to Genesis chapter 32, uh, that's where we are going to be for the remainder of the evening. And then while you are turning there, uh, we're going to pray and then dive on in. Well, Father, we we love you. God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that, um, God, we just pray that you would be glorified tonight in and through your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that it would be edifying. And Lord, I just pray that this information, which is your word, God, um, would lead to transformation. Lord, that we wouldn't leave here tonight uh, with uh, your word going in one ear and out the other. And so, God, we need you. God, we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was younger, uh, every Thanksgiving and Christmas, our extended family and relatives uh, would all get together. It was like some 30-somethings of us. Like, there was a ton, a ton of people. And we would commune together, catch up, laugh. It was literally the only time I really saw my extended family was Thanksgiving and Christmas. But one thing you need to know uh, about my family is that we are all extremely competitive, Now, if you don't know me, I'm extremely competitive. And so it clearly runs in the family. And so there was never a Thanksgiving or Christmas uh, where there wasn't some kind of game or competition going on. And so one year in particular, we did wrestling. Now, I'm not talking about like the full-on body contact wrestling, but we would do the good old arm wrestling and leg wrestling. Now, if you don't know what leg wrestling is, I'm not going to demonstrate it, but I am going to tell you what it is. So leg wrestling, I would always leg wrestle with my sister. We're both super competitive, and we would would go at it every Thanksgiving, Christmas. So basically, you lay down flat on the floor, and her head would be at my feet, and then obviously her long legs would be past my head. And so you're hip to hip. And so the goal is you count to three. And so you'd be like one, two, three. Three, and on that third time, you're wrapping your leg around the other person's leg, and you are trying to throw them forward. So if you're pinned down, you've lost. And so every year, we would do this, and it was a blast. Even though I never won against her, it was a blast. My sister's got, like, massive volleyball, just muscular legs. But I always won in the arm wrestling, clearly. Yeah. 
Uh, but it was a blast. Now, the reason I share that story is because in that instance, wrestling is fun, right? I looked forward to it every year. But there are some seasons and moments in life when wrestling, figuratively speaking, is not fun. It's those seasons uh, where you are going through something and you are waiting on God to answer. And maybe it's a season where you're wrestling with your faith. Or maybe right now there is something big that you are facing. Maybe some fear that is staring you right in the face. Something you are desperately praying for God to answer. Is there something you really need from God? And in that, you may be wrestling with God. And so tonight, we are going to talk about what it looks like to wrestle with God and what God does in the midst of our wrestling. And so before we dive into Genesis 32, I do need to just give you a brief, quick overview and some background uh, on what all had taken place prior to us reading and going into Genesis 32. And so back in Genesis chapter 25, just a few chapters back, you have two brothers by the name of Jacob and Esau. And in Genesis 25, 29 through 34, if you know the story, then you know that Jacob was in the kitchen cooking up a mean stew, right? He, he slaved over it. You know it smelt good. And his brother Esau, working hard, coming out from the field, comes in exhausted, hungry, tired, and asks his brother to give him some stew. Now Jacob said, I'll give you some stew if you sell me your birthright. Now, here's why that's a big deal. Having the birthright was a special honor possessed by the older son, which gave Esau the right to a double portion of his family's inheritance. And he also became the head of the family and the spiritual leader upon the passing of the father. And so having the birthright was an honor. It's, it's a big deal. And so Jacob desperately is desiring to have this birthright. And so he says to his brother Esau, I'll give you some stew, just give me your birthright. And so Esau disregards and indifferent towards his birthright, agrees and trades his birthright for a bowl of stew. Great lesson for all of us in the room tonight. Be careful what you do when you're hungry. But that's the first instance where Jacob swindles his brother Esau. There's another instance. The second instance is in just a couple chapters later in Genesis 27. And in this chapter, Isaac, who is Jacob and Esau's father, is super old. Can't see anymore. He's lost his sight. And at this point, uh, he doesn't know how soon it will be before he dies. And so the time came for Isaac to bestow his blessing on his oldest son, Esau. So, Esau so he tells Esau in verse 3 through 4, Go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, his wife, Rebecca, super loyal, who favored Jacob, overhears this conversation and tells Jacob, 
basically saying, hey, instead of Esau getting the blessing, you're going to get the blessing. So you will get the food. I'll make it. You bring it to Isaac before Esau does. And since he's basically blind, he's not going to be able to tell the difference between you and your brother. And you'll get the blessing instead of him. And so they even go to the point of having Jacob, if you know the story, put on the skins of young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck so that when Isaac felt him, he would think it was his hairier brother Esau. And that's exactly what happened. He tricks his dad into giving him the blessing. Esau finds out, super angry, which is fair, and then seeks to kill Jacob. So what does Jacob do? He flees. Now, 20-something years later, we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 32, where Jacob now prepares and is on his way to meet his estranged brother who he deceived so many years prior. So starting in verse 6, read along with me. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. So at this point, Jacob is pretty much shaking in his boots, right? He's greatly afraid. It says he's distressed because he's thinking, I have stole my brother's birthright. I have stole his blessing some 20 years ago, and I left because he was going to kill me, and now he's bringing 400 men with him. Now, you can imagine, he's probably thinking, I'm in trouble here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to die. And so what does he do? First point, if you're taking notes, when it comes to wrestling, when it comes to facing something big or that fear that is directly staring you in the face, what does Jacob do? He prays. We pray to pray in the wrestling. First point. Go ahead and look at verse 9 with me. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the, of the least of all these deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I've crossed the Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude." So here, Jacob is crying out to God, and he goes to God in prayer. And not only does he go to God in prayer, but look at what he says uh, in his prayer, what his prayer looks like. He says, please deliver me, for I fear my brother. What is he doing? He, he's being honest with God. And I think so many times for us, in, in the midst of wrestling with adversity or fear or suffering, we don't feel like we can be honest with God. We don't feel like we can be honest with our feelings, right? I can't tell God that I'm frustrated, frustrated that he isn't changing my situation. 
I can't tell God that I'm fearful because scripture says do not fear. I can't tell God that I'm struggling to believe his promises because then he won't answer my prayer due to my lack of or small faith. But Jacob doesn't sugarcoat his prayer. He's honest with God saying, I'm afraid. Would you please deliver me? And in order to wrestle well everlast, we have to go to him and be honest with him. I was reading an article on this specific passage of scripture, and I love what this author said. She said, wrestling with God is asking him for what we want, persisting in prayer, crying out to him for ourselves and others. There can be no detachment or apathy in wrestling. It involves direct and constant contact. When we wrestle, we believe that our cries and prayers matter. We have hope that our situation will change. We are fully engaged. That that is what wrestling with God looks like. And so Jacob Jacob wrestles, and he prays, and then that night a man appears. Verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So Jacob's prayed to God, sends his family ahead of him. And then as he is alone, a man appears and physically wrestles with him. Now, can we just put ourselves in Jacob's shoes? Like, imagine if that was you. You just prayed to God for God to deliver you. You you then spend uh, the night alone as you prepare for 400 men to meet you, uh, along with your estranged brother, and then you see a man approach you. You don't recognize him, and as he gets closer and closer, he then is like, we're going to do a wrestling match, and he starts wrestling with you. That would be weird, right? And then as you're wrestling with this man, at some point you come to realize that you're wrestling with God. Jacob realizes that in the midst of wrestling with this man, he's actually wrestling with God. Now, I'm sure that is not what Jacob expected when he prayed and asked God to deliver him. Right? That, that is not what he would have conjured up in his mind on how God would answer his prayer. For, for God to physically wrestle him in the middle of the night. And I think that is just so interesting and also is so applicable because so often when we pray or are in the midst of wrestling with God as we wait on him and seek him, how God answers our prayers at times isn't in the way we expected or even desired. And yet, just like God met Jacob, he will also meet you. Maybe not in the way you thought, but he will meet you in your anguish, fear, and uncertainty. And we know this based off of God's word. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God is with us and will strengthen us and help us. It just may not look like the way we planned. 
And Jacob experienced this firsthand as God came to wrestle with him. And so in the midst of Jacob wrestling with God, it says that they wrestled till daybreak, right? This was no short match. This was not a quick tap out. It was a prolonged wrestling match. And just like Jacob, sometimes our wrestling can go on for quite a while. Now, I know this isn't necessarily what we want to hear. It's not what I want to hear. But majority of us don't like waiting, especially when we're in a season of suffering and pain. And I know for me, uh, some of you know, like I've just been personally in a season of wrestling with my health. It's a season of wrestling with God and prayer and really asking and praying, God, would you just fix it? Or would you just remove it? God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And it seems like it's been a really long time, several months for me. And day after day, waking up to nothing changed. Or in fact, sometimes I wake up and it's worse. And there's some of you maybe in the room tonight facing something that you're needing God to answer, for for God to bless you with. And you're looking at something directly in the face and you're wrestling with God in it. But what I find so encouraging in this story is that Jacob, despite wrestling all night, being, I would imagine, super fatigued, tired, worn out, considering the fact that he isn't just wrestling any ordinary man, but he's wrestling God, what I find encouraging is that he doesn't let up. He doesn't give up. He continues to persevere. Look at verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob continued to persevere. Second point, if you're taking notes, is persevere in the wrestling. Keep wrestling. Jacob persevered and kept on wrestling to the point that he isn't just tired, he he isn't just uh, exhausted, but now Jacob is inflicted, right? His hip socket is out of joint, which I would imagine is really painful, right? That, That would not be something that feels good. And I think in that moment, most of us would tap out. And it's one, because it's one thing to wrestle all night, and it's another thing when now you can barely walk, But Jacob didn't let up, right? In fact, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, for some of us, when we hear that, that seems like a pretty bold thing to say to God. Uh, I'm not going to stop wrestling. I'm not going to stop bothering you unless you bless me. But listen, Jacob wasn't being arrogant in this moment. He, He wasn't putting himself in a position of authority over God. Instead, he was literally clinging to God. I'm not letting you go. He was at his breaking point. He was at the point of surrender. And we know this because Hosea 12.4 is talking about this moment. And it says, he, Jacob, strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. Hosea shows us how he prevailed. He made supplication with weeping unto the Lord. 
It was not that Jacob was in control. I, I, will not, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But with tears, please do not go without blessing me. And so he came to a point of surrender. And everlast, a good question to ask is, how quick do we let go? How quickly do we give up when we aren't seeing God answer? And listen, that's not to say we clearly don't wrestle. That's not to say we don't struggle. We don't have moments or days where we are heartbroken and grieving. Listen, suffering is hard. Waiting is hard. Facing something that is uncertain and not knowing the outcome is difficult. And and at times, extremely difficult. But what I'm asking is how quickly do we let go and give up on God when the wrestling gets too painful? It gets too hard. And instead of clinging to God, pleading with God, and surrendering it over to God. And Jacob is just such a great example in this moment of clinging to God, continuing to wrestle with God to the point that he says, I'm not letting go. I can't let go unless you bless me. Which leads to our third point. There is blessing in the wrestling. I love how author John Bloom put it. He said, when God makes us wrestle with him for some blessing, it is not because God is reluctant to bless us, even if that's how it first feels. It is because he has more blessings for us in the wrestling than without it. There are times when God only releases his blessing on us after a season of prolonged and even painful wrestling with him. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And 1 Peter 3.14 says, But even if you you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Those are promises And those are promises that we can hold God to his very own word. And and that is something that I'm constantly having to remind myself in this season is God's promises and of his word. And listen, if you aren't in the word, if you don't know the word, it's going to be really hard to keep wrestling, to, to ask God for blessings, to even trust God in the wrestling because you don't know what his promises are. And there are moments where I read the word and I'm like, okay, God. I'm holding you to it. And it's not that I'm testing God. Uh, We read earlier when Jacob prayed to God, he said, please deliver me from the hand of my brother. And he goes on to say, because you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Right? He's telling God, I am fearful, but you promised that you will do me good. You promise that you will make my offspring the sand of the sea. And I love that because it's not that Jacob's challenging God, but in a sense, he's reminding himself of God's promises and he's proclaiming that to God. There is blessing in the wrestling. In verse 29, we see this. We know that 
there is blessing in the wrestling. Look at verse 29. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. There is blessing in the wrestling. And lastly, if you're taking notes, God transforms us in the wrestling. Look at verse 27. He says, And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to faith, face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up up, the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the, of the thigh. In verse 29, God blessed Jacob, and in verse 28, he changed his name. And in the wrestling, God changes us. He transforms us. And if we continue to wrestle with him, clinging to him, grabbing a hold of him, and not letting go, we will be changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And as God blessed Jacob and changed his name, my prayer is that as we wrestle, that God would bless you in the wrestling, transforming you into the image of Christ. And Everlast, would we be a ministry that wrestles, clings to God, and holds fast to his word? May we wrestle and get to a point of surrender and desperation enough to cry out, I can't let go. I won't let go. God, please bless me. And I don't know where you're at in the room tonight with wrestling, but if you are in the midst of of wrestling, I just want to leave you with, with this quote. It's by pastor and author John Bloom, and it says, It is a great mercy to be brought to the point where you're desperate enough to insist on what you need the most. I'm going to repeat it one more time. It is a great mercy to be brought to the point where you're desperate enough to insist on what you need the most. Amen? Let's pray.